It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ashley Webster. I'm Kennedy. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. President Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan has created new political tensions with progressives saying it's not quite enough and conservatives asking why Americans without college degrees are paying for those who have them. And again, we have these um, nonpartisan groups out there saying it's actually going to undo everything that you just did with the Inflation Reduction Act. Alisa Brady. The clock's ticking on indirect talks between the U.S. and Iran, but not everyone's convinced a nuclear deal is on the right track. If this deal goes forward, one thing it does ensure, it, it almost provides a certainty that Iran's going to have a nuclear bomb just in a matter of years. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. President Biden said he believes most Americans agree with him. 12 years of universal education is simply not enough. And that we're going to be outcompeted by the rest of the world if we don't take action. But here's the deal. The cost of education beyond high school has gone up significantly. He said the burden is so heavy that even if you graduate, you may not have access to the middle class life a degree once promised. Many people can't qualify for a mortgage to buy a home because of the debt they continue to carry. They, uh, you know, they, they, they carry it's too high and they can't come up with the down payment anyway. A lot of folks are even putting off uh, starting families because of the cost. He argued that COVID relief and rent assistance is what allowed for a faster recovery after the pandemic and said he's applying the same logic here. So he announced the COVID-related pause on paying student loans will end at the end of this year, but said he'd keep a campaign promise at the same time. Someone making under $125,000 a year can have up to $10,000 of federal student loan debt forgiven. Someone with a Pell Grant can have up to $20,000 forgiven. The president acknowledged the obvious question, how do we pay for it? And he said hundreds of billions of dollars have already gone toward paying down the deficit. And the Inflation Reduction Act is going to cut it by another $300 billion over the next decade because Medicare will be paying less for prescription drugs. And over a trillion dollars we added out for the next two decades. Republicans are not on board. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton told Fox News. Just think about how unfair this is for all the Americans who are harmed by this, who are now on the hook for hundreds of billions of dollars of other people's loans. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell called the move cynical and outrageous and said Democrats are literally using working Americans' money to try to buy themselves enthusiasm from their political base. But President Biden said he wouldn't apologize to Republicans who, under former President Trump, approved a $2 trillion tax cut for what he said were wealthy Americans and big corporations. He's got to make his case to the economists and people who crunch these numbers. And there are a number of organizations, nonpartisan in nature, who say that they have a problem with this because they think that it's um, pouring gasoline on the fire. Fox News anchor Shannon Bream is the new host of Fox News Sunday. One of the former Obama administration top economists um, said that as well. He said throwing this on top of already out-of-control inflation is not smart economic policy. Um, Something that struck me when I was reading up on this is I stumbled across this piece in Newsweek, an opinion piece by a man named Charles Stallworth. 
He's a union railroad worker. And he wrote this piece about just the extravagance of expecting people who don't even have college degrees to now help pay for people who took out student loans. And I use this quote on the show last night. He said, how much of an elitist do you have to be to not give a damn about the cruelty of demanding that blue collar workers who didn't go to college chip in and pay off student loans that they didn't take out? That's a big section of American society who's going to feel that way. I'm not sure the president convinced them otherwise today. And Shannon, put your legal eagle hat on for us. Um, I'm reading this might face legal challenges mm-hmm. and that the, any legal challenge might come down to a judge's interpretation of the education secretary's powers under mm-hmm. the Higher Education Act. I'm not super familiar with the ins and outs of that act, but these are federal government loans, right? Is the president saying, well, we're the federal government. We can do this. Yeah. And think about the fact that the Supreme Court has been very willing to limit executive power in a lot of recent cases. And I think that's where people get this idea that, oh, this could be a serious legal challenge. You think about the CDC when it tried to do an eviction ban during COVID, like, well, you can't you can't kick people out of their homes if they're not paying rent or paying, you know, mortgages or whatever the thing is, you know, on the the court was sort of like, that's not the CDC's purview. If Congress is going to do it, great. They need to do it. But this isn't the power the CDC has. Um, so I think that those who um, think there's a legal challenge here, uh, they've got a good argument. How do you think this plays with, with other voters? Um, maybe not those blue collar folks or those without a college degree, but do some other voters hear the president say, hey, my Republican friends approved these tax breaks for the wealthiest. I am addressing the middle class and people who are not among the wealthiest. Does that go over well with maybe some independents and moderates? Mm-hmm. You know, some are accusing the president of doing this right now as sort of a midterm play. I don't I don't know if I can make any assessments to that, but mm-hmm. certainly we're only a couple months away from November. Yeah, I think that that is an argument that will work for sure um, among Democrats with some people, whether it's Democrats or independents or whoever will say, yeah, why are Republicans willing to do X when it comes to this? They're doing Y. But the criticism from the left is there, too, which is the crazy thing here. Senator Bernie Sanders also called out saying this is, you know, kind of ridiculous. It's a pittance, he says, to do just 10,000 when most people's loans are much higher than that. Their loan balances. Then he said, why is it that we could forgive all the PPP loans that got business owners through COVID and yet we can't do more. So the left thinks it's not enough. The right thinks it's too much. And again, we have these um, nonpartisan groups out there saying it's actually going to undo everything that you just did with the Inflation Reduction Act. If we believe that the the administration's projections on that, on deficit reduction, um, you've just kind of, you know, wiped that out if we're going to have both these major pieces in play. Yeah. Politically, Shannon, is the president trying to do too much here, like appease too many. And and in so doing, does he run the risk of really appeasing no one? Like on the one hand, it's not total forgiveness, right? So he can say, Mm -hmm. look, I'm still, we still expect you to pay something. But LendingTree said as of late July, the average amount owed was just under 30,000. So if you get 10 or 20,000 of that shaved off, that's quite a bit. And of course that adds up per person. So Politically, is the president sort of putting himself in a in an interesting position? He is. And listen, we know that he's been losing ground with 
younger voters, um, those under 35, mm. he's really been seeing his poll numbers fall, you know, drastically. So this would be something you think would target that group. A lot of people who are in their 20s and 30s, just at a school or grad school, really trying to get any kind of financial program going and realizing, oh my gosh, with this debt on my back, I'm not going to be able to buy a house or do anything about starting a family or moving on with my life. So you got to think it really caters to that particular group over there. Plenty of people over 35 have um, student loan debt that they are struggling with. And, um, you know, it seems like something that would go towards that younger group, but they've been expecting and demanding more. You have folks like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and members of the squad out there saying, this is crazy. It doesn't even begin to undo things for most people and we should just wipe all of it out. So it may be a bit of a, of a, a benefit of a handout or sort of trying to bridge the divide with the younger voters that you're losing there. But but again, ends up to some feeling like not enough. And they may say, I want all or nothing. Let's go big here and get this done. And the president realizes, you know, there are limits to what he can do. I think he knows that there will be court challenges coming. And Shannon, you did reference inflation and the debate that this will, of course, spark about whether or not it adds to inflation or not. But it was thought that this inflationary environment we're in was really going to be critical in November that, that we're going to see this big red wave, right? And now we're seeing some GOP Senate candidates really struggling with, with polling and fundraising. We saw the Fox News power rankings this week um, showing Republicans still winning back at the House in November, but by less than had been previously forecast. What's your sense about what's happening? Democrats may be more energized, but are Republicans also less energized? Well, it's weird because earlier this year we had some polling out that showed them equally energized when you, we were asked, um, asking voters out there, do you feel excited about this midterm and will you get out there and vote? And it was equally, I think, about 67 percent among Democrats and Republicans. And so we know that they were very excited to get out there. Now, about three or four months ago, I talked to um, a name you would all know and recognize, one of the top Republicans in this country, who said off the record to me, he was worried that there was so much being made about the red wave and we're going to crush them and this is going to be great for the party. He was really worried. He said, I think um, the GOP needs to be cautious because I think with mm. all of this hype that things always tighten up when you get closer to the polls and we don't want our constituents or our voters to stay home and think it's in the bag. So he was worried about that three, four months mm. ago. And yeah, those polls are tightening. Um, it seems our Republicans still you know, have that edge, as you said, in the House. But I think once you get through the primaries and now we have these head to head battles in the Senate and there are some tough, flawed candidates out there on both sides. Um, but there's a feeling among many within, you know, the Republican strategist field here in D.C. where people are discussing races and politics. And they're worried that they feel like Republicans should have fronted some stronger candidates in some of these Senate mm -hmm. races. But they've got who they've got now and they've got to take them to the dance. So, Shannon, we have to talk about your new gig. You are now the new host of Fox News Sunday as of September 11th. Um, I just want to ask you, what are your plans? What do you hope to bring to this Sunday show that's maybe unique or different from what other hosts have done or are currently doing? You know what? I think that when I'm outside the Beltway and visiting folks around America and going home to where I'm from, what I hear from people is there's this concern about 
division and that there are very loud voices that get all the tension mm-hmm. on the left or the right. But when I probe with those people, what what about you? What about your neighborhoods? What about your families? What about your friends? Well, we can agree to disagree. We help each other out. We have conversations. I feel like most of America is in that place. And they get very frustrated by people talking past each other. And to me, I think there's a time definitely to push and to be aggressive with interviews. But I also think there's a point where you try to get people to see what they have in common. Um, you're not mm-hmm. taking sides, but I think we're all on the side of the American family and the American individual being able to um, survive and flourish in what I think is the most amazing experiment uh, in the world. And that's this country. And I think that the main division is that we agree on the big things. We want safety and security and health and protection and opportunity for everybody. But the two parties have very different ways of getting there. So if you can have them talk to each other and hear each other and have conversations that actually move the ball forward, I think that's really helpful. And that's what I'm hoping we can do. Shannon, finally, being part of a a Sunday show, it's it's big in the Beltway and it's big outside the Beltway. I think it's because maybe it's where the heavy hitters make a lot of news. um, But also maybe it's just I've maybe watched too much Tim Russert growing up, but it's like a time and space, you know, not just to get people on the record, but where some of the best interviewers really challenge and push, not necessarily in an adversarial way, but certainly in a challenging way, Mm -hmm. like flesh that out for me, you know, tell me more about why you're, you know, hanging your hat on this or you're dying Mm -hmm. on this hill or that hill. Um, to those who spend our tax dollars, you know, and I wonder in that vein, when you think about sort of the bigness of this, who do you want to push? Who do you want to have on your show? Like pretty quickly. You know, I've reached out to the attorney general, Merrick Garland. I think he is in the middle of so many big stories right now. And, you know, what I said to him is, I think the American people need to hear your voice, whether it's on what's going on with the Mar-a-Lago raid or, you know, dangerous situations out there involving people, extremists on both sides who are willing to go after federal officers or to go after Supreme Court justices. Like there are so many things that we could discuss. And I've made an impassioned plea to him from one attorney to another um, to come (laughs) out and discuss those things. So I think that. There are a lot of questions the American people, wherever they are on the political spectrum, would have for somebody right now, like the attorney general. And um, it's my hope that we can spark conversations with him, with his team that would lead him to see the value in coming and talking to our audience. That would be amazing. Shannon Bream, thanks so much for your time. Great to be with you. Have a wonderful day. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, 
they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. The Pentagon says the U.S. is sending a message to Iran with airstrikes in Syria, a response to recent attacks on U.S. forces blamed on groups backed by Iran. We're not going to tolerate attacks by Iran-backed forces uh, on our forces uh, anywhere in the world uh, to include in Syria. uh, And we won't hesitate to protect ourselves uh, and take additional measures as appropriate. Undersecretary of Defense Dr. Colin Call says drone remnants from an August 15th attack in Syria were traced directly back to Tehran and that the U.S. airstrikes this week made clear that defending ourselves is on a separate track from the Biden administration's ongoing efforts to revive a nuclear deal with Iran. This deal would put back in place the most strenuous inspection regime ever negotiated in the past. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby telling Fox's Martha McCallum inspectors from the U.N.'s nuclear watchdog agency, the IAEA, need to be on the ground to see what Iran is doing. If they cheat on the deal, we're going to know about that. We're going to have we're going to have a lot well, more transparency it, and visibility yeah, than we I, do right I, now, which I, is to say we have none. Both sides reviewing a draft proposal from the European Union, even after the Justice Department charged a member of Iran's Revolutionary Guard with plotting to assassinate President Trump's former national security adviser, John Bolton. Iran's demands in the nuclear talks have included lifting the Guard's terrorism designation in the U.S. and ending a U.N. probe into traces of uranium at three undeclared sites. Well, I think the fundamental question is, can, can you trust them in the deal? Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall is the ranking member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. The fact that they're trying to assassinate uh, former government officials, they've indicted many that I'm aware of. The fact that there's still three undisclosed sites with uranium particles. When I met with the IAEA, the director general in Vienna, they have not cooperated with those investigations. And as I understand, part of this deal would be to sweep those investigations under the rug. I I don't see how you can trust that they're just going to use this for peaceful nuclear energy. And with the sunset provisions, it puts them on a fast track to a nuclear bomb. And so I think the policy should be not weight sanctions, which will just put more money into terror operations, but rather make it the policy of the United States that a nuclear Iran is just not acceptable and get our allies to agree to this. They are getting closer and closer by the day, and they feel more empowered, just like uh, Putin and President Xi in China. The Ayatollah feels more empowered, uh, particularly after Afghanistan. Israel has certainly been sounding the alarm about this, as they did the first time around. Um, The the prime minister has made clear their hands won't be tied by any restrictions when it comes to stopping Iran's uh, nuclear program. Does this put the U.S. relationship with with Israel at risk? Well, we should be joined with Israel in a common goal. And we know that the uh, after the Abraham Accords, that the Arab nations are in agreement with this policy as well. I mean, it's the enemy. My enemy is my friend. Uh, they view Iran as the biggest threat in the region, and they, and they are. So whether it's the Saudis or the Emirates, or, you know, and they, they all view it as a threat. And therefore, that's why you're seeing this sort of new alliance between Israel 
uh, in the Arab world uh, against Iran. And if you do see a nuclear Iran, you're going to see an escalation, uh, basically a, a nuclear race uh, in the Middle East, which I can't think of anything more dangerous you know, than that. Iran seems to be trying to soften some of its upfront demands, um, at least in terms of calling them preconditions, um, while while denying, though, that it's retreating on anything. For instance, lifting the U.S. terror designation on the Revolutionary Guard. The Biden administration has gone back to what the Obama administration had always argued, that some transparency is better than none. Do you agree with that basic sentiment? Well, I mean, it begs the question, how transparent are they when I met with the International Atomic Energy Agency talking about these three undisclosed sites with the uranium particles? They're not being transparent. And fundamentally, can you make a deal with someone you don't trust? And we would like free and fair access. We'd like ICBMs to be part of this. The IRGC cannot be taken off the terror designation list. We don't want to see, you know, this money, if these sanctions are lifted, going into Shia proxies that Iran that go in and, and Yemen and Syria and, and Iraq and and kill. And I think uh, I think we need to be you know sort of open eyed about what, who we're dealing with and not be so naive. And I do think the better policy because they're they're getting if this deal goes forward, one thing it does ensure it, it almost provides a certainty that Iran's going to have a nuclear bomb just in a matter of years. And then what are we going to do you know, at that point in time? I think we need to make it clear to now that this path they're going down is not acceptable by the world community, and there will be consequences to it. Some of Iran's demands would also need approval from Congress, right? Like they want a future president not to be able to undo the deal or reimpose sanctions the way President Trump did. Would an overall agreement need a vote from Congress? Well, that's why we've always thought it should be a treaty that the American people would approve. They, they don't like that. We did pass legislation that requires them to provide the report on the deal if they, in fact, reach a deal that needs to be produced to the Congress prior to the deal being consummated. And I'm worried that their lawyers are going to try to get around that requirement and we're not going to see the deal. I sent a letter to President Biden calling upon for him to uh, you know, basically, we, we need to be briefed on both sides of the aisle. And to your point earlier, on my committee and, and other national security committees, there are many Democrats just as concerned as I am uh, about this issue. We've hit six months since Russia launched a war in Ukraine, um, an anniversary that also happened to fall on Ukraine's Independence Day. President Biden announcing you know, the latest security package, nearly $3 billion worth. A lot of money is being spent. Is it enough? Is it the right approach? Well, I think the right approach would have been to put weapons in prior to the invasion. Um, and they would have had an opportunity to hit the 50 miles of tanks north of Kiev. Uh, I was over there at 82nd Airborne with General Donahue at that time where the weapons were starting to go through. But, you know, he, he had no, we had no capability to hit those tanks at that time. And a lot of damage could have been done early on. Now you're seeing a counteroffensive taking place by Ukraine. And, you know, one thing's clear. I mean, the Ukrainians have surprised everybody. We were told it would be over in four days, and here we are six months later, and now they're on, you know, on a counteroffensive. Some of the weapons we're sending in are very high-tech, like the Switchblade 600 drones that can land with precision. They need longer-range artillery to hit, you know, the Russians. Um, and, you know, um, it's a catch-up game with the administration in terms of 
the weapons getting in. This latest package, as you know, Congress appropriated $40 billion to assist. In the latest package, those weapons will not be brought in immediately. That's for the weapons to be produced, which raises a whole other issue about our defense industrial base and our ability to manufacture weapons fast enough, uh, not just to put in, in Ukraine or to backfill Eastern NATO allies that have helped, but for our own national security. For instance, I sign off on foreign military weapon sales. We have a three-year backlog of sales into Taiwan, and Taiwan needs those. With China as provocative as they are right now, you won't have that deterrence if we can't get those weapons into Taiwan. Um, so that's a variety of reasons. Semiconductor chips are part of it. Um, and I know we're, we have an expansion now of production in the United States. Is China getting enough attention from the Biden administration overall? They say the right things, but I don't see, I just see weakness. And I'll, I go back to Afghanistan. It was so mishandled and it projected so much weakness to our adversaries like Putin in Russia, like President Xi in China, like the Ayatollah in Iran and Kim Jong-un in North Korea, that now you're seeing them emboldened and empowered. And again, I think they, they want to try to play nice. But one thing is clear, China has their own, their own plans. We better get our game in order and compete with China. And they're in Afghanistan right now getting the rare earth minerals. And they'll most likely occupy Bagram Air Base. That's going to be the outcome of the Afghanistan debacle. The potential threats from China seem to be always expanding. I know there's a national security concern in North Dakota right now about a proposal to build a plant on land China purchased near an Air mm. Force base. Um, are we already too late to effectively counter China's long-term goals? The espionage is real. I mean, I had the Houston consulate shut down for a reason because the espionage was so intense. And th this Justice Department now has shut down the China Initiative, which was geared at espionage cases. Well, guess what? The espionage is not going away, but the attention and priority from the Justice Department is not there. And, and so that's, to me, a real problem if, if that's not the priority, because it's still happening. And you're right, they're purchasing land next to military bases. I've talked to the FBI about this. I'm very concerned they're doing it to surveil our military bases. And that's an enemy from within you know, with their Thousand Talents program, the researchers at universities to Fuchsius Institutes to just active espionage, you know, on American soil. Apple, which has been working to, you know, step up the manufacturing of iPhones in India, um, hoping to ease supply chain issues from the COVID lockdowns in China. Is, is that a sign of things to come? Are the supply chain concerns a tipping point when it comes to kind of, you know, how the world deals with China? I think after COVID, everybody realized that supply chain's an issue, and it was medical, but it's also rare earth minerals, and it's also semiconductor chips. You know, Taiwan now, 90% of the global advanced semiconductor chip manufacturing comes out of Taiwan right now. Imagine if President Xi invaded Taiwan tomorrow, what position we would be in. Uh, they would control 90% and dominate 90% of the global supply. It's a very, very serious issue. And so, um, yeah, India is more, more of an ally, but they're close to Russia, too. I would prefer all this to be done, made in America, made in the United States. Uh, like you know, with my, my Chips Act passing, we were able to 
achieved. Now you're seeing trillions of dollars being invested in the United States to make these chips here where they're protected from a national security standpoint. And this was an idea that Secretary Pompeo and National Security Advisor O'Brien you know, brought to me uh, and the Trump national security team. Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall, thank you so much for your time. No, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to Tyrus and Tim. Every week, Fox Nation host Tyrus and Fox News contributor Kat Tim give their hot takes, explore weird headlines, and share amusing stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So President Biden is forgiving $10,000 in student loan debt, which is ironic because if you think this is a good idea, chances are you didn't learn anything in college or high school for that matter. To put it plainly, this is a scam. First and foremost, the debt isn't being forgiven. The colleges still want their money. The only difference is that the people who took out the loans won't be paying for it. The taxpayers who didn't take out the loans will. This is like getting a bill in the mail from Applebee's for a meal you didn't even eat. Making it worse is that the gender studies major you're bailing out is now waiting tables at the Applebee's. Why? Because colleges are charging students insane amounts of money for degrees that don't even get them jobs. And this does nothing to address the soaring cost of college or the staggering lack of jobs from some of these expensive degrees. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some degrees will get you a gig. Like if you get a law degree, you'll be a lawyer. And if you get a medical degree, you'll be a doctor. And if you get an art history degree, you'll be a barista at Starbucks. But that's no reason for the barista working next to you to pay your loans. And therein lies the biggest scam. This bill is a giant F.U. to all the parents and kids who busted their asses to do the right thing and pay off student loans. They don't get a $10,000 bailout. They just get a giant middle finger. And according to the statistics from the Wharton School of Business, 70% of student debt belongs to the top 70% of income earners, meaning rich people are getting a $10,000 freebie from the middle class and the poor. Where I come from, that's called getting the shaft. And every self-respecting economist in the country thinks this will only drive up inflation at a time when the only thing higher than inflation are the people who think Biden is doing a good job. So why is this happening, Jimmy Fallon, you ask? That's my impression of how you sound. It's happening because Biden's support with young voters has fallen by 30% since he took office, and he can't win an election without them. So in the end, this isn't student loan forgiveness. It's low poll number forgiveness. Now, who knows? Maybe some of these dopey America-hating college kids will forgive Biden for screwing over the taxpayers. I know I won't, because as a guy who spent most of his adult life driving a taxi in New York City, I know a wrong turn when I see one. And that's exactly why it's time to take away Biden's car keys. Be sure to listen to Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fela, weekdays from noon to 3 on the Fox News app, 115 stations across the country, or foxacrossamerica.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Getting Schooled is a podcast hosted by Fox Nation's Abby Hornacek. Each week, Abby and her expert guests tackle topics we take for granted and help explain the roots and meanings behind them. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.